Welcome to episode 121 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials at Sir DRJM. And, of course, if you are over there, send me a message in whatever way, shape, or form you feel like it and give me questions, comments, topics for the show, whatever you've got as they relate to video games, as they relate to Overwatch, or as they relate to of course, the Overwatch League. We cover it all here, and I'd love to talk more broadly about video games, um, you know, outside of Overwatch, uh, although this is, of course, an Overwatch podcast. But enough with all that. We've got a actually relatively short show to cover here. Um, there, Although there's sort of a lot going on with Overwatch right now, it means that we're a little bit lighter on the news. So we'll get into it here in a moment. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you enjoy the sound of my voice, if you enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, please do check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, also available on services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League. That's right. Over there with my co-hosts, Alex and Chris, we talk each and every week about the latest and greatest in the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant world, and of course, the broader Overwatch League world as a whole. We've, of course, had interviews with such personalities as Sean Miller, the president of the Overwatch League, Baroy, the GM of the Vancouver Titans, Kasor is the head coach of the Toronto Defiant, among others. So definitely go check us out over there. Now... Let's get into today's show where we've got uh, a little bit to talk about and some controversy, of course, because it wouldn't be Overwatch without a little bit of juice. So let's dive on in. I'll do this alone if I have to. Alrighty, so before we get into our news segment of the show, there is a couple PSAs, of course, that we would love to talk about. The first, of course, being we have a Twitch Drops campaign ongoing right now as we speak, and it is, of course, featuring the wonderful, the the much-beloved Torbjorn as the uh, sort of centerpiece behind this. So to start things off, here we go. It runs through August 10th through October sorry, October, through August 24th. So we've got a good 14 days there uh, for this campaign. The first reward, of course, for watching a uh, two hours of the Overwatch 2 category on Twitch, as long as you have your Twitch and Battle.net account joined, you will unlock the Coastal Name Card, which is, of course, a uh, one of those banners that uh, shows up on your Overwatch account there. Um, it's not a bad one. I actually, I kind of dig the theme of this, this Twitch drop campaign overall. It's got kind of a nautical theme to it, which I'm a big fan of. The reward for watching an additional two hours, of course, totaling four hours. Oh, oh, it's actually structured a little differently now. It's normally two, two, and two, uh, and then another two, usually, I think. But it appears as though the coastal name card is watching two 
hours. You claim that reward, and then you are eligible after watching another three hours to claim the reward for a Torbjorn voice line. Uh, voice line, voice line. Although the uh, actual Twitch campaign doesn't say what the voice line is. And then you watch an additional four hours, and you are rewarded with the Leg Captain Torbjorn skin. I'm not sure why it's called Leg Captain, but it's a sort of a steamboat captain type skin for Torbjorn, which I enjoy. Mostly grays and blues kind of thing, um, but it does look to be a pretty cool one indeed. So definitely, if you're interested in skins, if you like collecting them like I do, even though you never play these characters, then definitely join your Battle.net or link your Battle.net account with your Twitch account and uh, get watching. That is, of course, if you were keeping track, a total of nine hours watched. Whereas normally, I believe it's a total of eight hours and usually four rewards. So interesting that they're kind of playing a little bit with the campaign format. Um, I'm actually just checking some of the previous campaigns that have been here to see if I can see what they would have, uh, what the breakdown would have been. Uh, it's hard to hard to go back and look at your old campaigns. It just shows the rewards, you know, reward after reward. So anyways, a little bit interesting, a little bit different than what we'd seen in the past, but uh, certainly another Twitch campaign. So get in there, get your free stuff. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much. Now, the other PSA that we have this week, of course, is the fact that Season 6 is here. That's right, it launched last uh, Thursday, Tuesday, something like that. I guess it would have been Thursday on uh, August 10th there. We had the Season 6 Invasion launch. So, Season 6, if you haven't been keeping up with the news, is chock full of a bunch of stuff. Uh, in fact, it does strike me that this is probably the largest con largest single content drop that Overwatch has seen since the release of the game, the the first game, um, I would argue honestly, even you know probably more content than the game launched with when it went into Overwatch 2's official early access period. Um, so, a little bit interesting that you know we're we're here now. Uh, but of course, the invasion uh, event does come with two different bundles that you can purchase for. Uh, in terms of Canadian dollars, the low low price of twenty dollars and nineteen cents for the invasion bundle. And if you'd rather pony up and get a little bit extra, you can pay $53.99 for the Invasion Ultimate Bundle. So I'll break them both down for you here, just so you've got the facts. The Invasion Bundle, $20.19, comes with the Overwatch 2 Invasion Story Missions. So that is, of course, the PvE missions, the uh, the missions central censored, censor, centered around, of course, uh, the Invasion event. Um, sort of the, the whole theme of this is the Omnic... Uh, Omnic Uprising, I suppose, uh, coming back out of the woodwork, you know, after being dormant for a number of years in the Overwatch world, um, coming up and attacking sort of uh, a number of major cities around the globe. And of course, you are put into a situation where you are defending in various ways. Um, and I, I won't spoil too much. The first mission takes place in Rio de Janeiro. Of course, it is centered around Lucio. The second mission is, of course, uh, taking place in Toronto and is centered around uh, Sojourn. And the third mission, I'm actually not even too sure where it is centered around off the top of my head. I have completed those first two missions, but we'll uh, we'll get into more of that later on. So, the basic invasion bundle comes with Overwatch 2 invasion story missions. Comes with 1,000 Overwatch coins, which, of course, is enough to buy a battle pass in Overwatch. 
It also comes with the legendary Vigilante Sojourn skin, which is in brackets, it says earnable, which makes me think you can earn that in-game, probably through the Battle Pass, but it comes with it immediately. It also comes with the Sojourn Hero License, which is uh, also in brackets earnable, so again, I'm sure you can earn that through the Battle Pass. Now, what does it not come with, or what is the difference? So the Invasion Ultimate Bundle at $53.99 Canadian dollars comes with uh, the Overwatch 2 Invasion Story Missions again, comes with 2,000 Overwatch coins. So, of course, that is, uh, technically speaking, two more Battle Pass seasons if you uh, didn't, uh, if you weren't aware of that. Comes with the legendary Vigilante Sojourn skin as well. Comes with the Sojourn Hero license as well. But what else does it come with? It comes with the premium Battle Pass 20 tier skips. That's right. The moment you buy this, you then are at level 20 in the Battle Pass. After that, it also comes with the legendary K2000 Blade Master Kiriko skin and the legendary C455 Sharpshooter Cassidy skin. So, of course, those are two legendary skins for uh, Kiriko and Cassidy, respectively. Um, the cool thing about this season, of course, is that it is, uh, you know, centered around this whole invasion event. Uh, so all of the sort of, or, you know, the majority of the main skins and things like that that you're getting are themed around the sort of Omnic uprising that we're seeing in the invasion story mode. So, of course, um, you know, we already know that the big bad sort of of this uh, null sector invasion is Ramatra. He kind of leads the charge. Um, of course, here, Tank Hero that was released a couple seasons back now. Um, but in any case, uh, the, the theming is bleeding over into all the other characters, right? And so this uh, K2000 Blademaster Kiriko skin is an Omnic version of Kiriko, basically. C455 Sharpshooter Cassidy is an Omnic version of Cassidy, of course. And then if you get into the Battle Pass, of course, and you unlock the uh, Mythic skin there, it is basically a uh, Omnic version of Ana, which is quite cool and of course if you do play these pve missions the uh the invasion story missions you will see that uh you know some of these characters are actually featured in there not in such a sense that you know they're put on a pedestal but they're you know having played some of them uh we are seeing you know there is a, a an npc uh, or an enemy really um that is styled after this ono ones that you do see in the missions so it's cool stuff. Um, I myself, I did buy the Invasion Ultimate Bundle. Yes, I realized that, you know, maybe I'm a sucker for doing that. Um, maybe I should have waited for the reviews or what have you. But again, I've come back to this a number of times. My opinion is very much the fact that, you know, I've played this game for how many years? I forked over the original $60 for Overwatch 1. I didn't spend a dime on the game after that for however many years it was six years until overwatch 2 came out so yeah sure when overwatch 2 launched i was willing to spend the i think it was 40 dollars for the uh launch bundle right um and if that was what it cost me to get the game then great you know if the game had launched retail it would have been 80 90 dollars so i would have spent that and instead i spent i think 60 actually is what it was canadian dollars but i spent 60 and got overwatch 2 great yeah there wasn't a ton upgraded there but i assume lots of it's under the hood and hey it's the promise of what's yet to come and then, of course, you know, again, we're, we're almost a year out from that. I spent another $53.99 on that. Um, I mean, technically, in this case, I used some work reward points to actually get a $50 card for this. So I really spent $4 on this, so it really didn't bother me that much. But in any case, um, there's obviously a lot of, uh, lot of talk around the pricing and uh, what exactly you're getting here right now. But hey, I think we'll get into that in a little bit here. So... In any case, Season 6 is live now. Season 6 is 
here in all its glory. Of course, they've been hyping this up. They've been promoting it. They've, of course, got John Cena on board as some form of promotion that, I mean, in my opinion, we, I, it, it's not super clear what exactly the point is or where exactly he's coming in. I get it. He's a celebrity, so he'll bring eyes to the game. But ultimately, I, I don't truly know what else we're seeing So from that. But in any case, that was last week's episode, so let's not talk about that. Let's move on here. We're going to head on over, and we'll actually do a little bit of a social media roundup. Um, I'm going to focus on the Omnic post this week, which is uh, one of the accounts that I talked about last week as well. Um, but I'm actually not going to jump into the Overwatch Cavalry. Of course, go follow Cavalry as well as Omnic post. Um, and I'll, I'll just mention Overwatch Cavalry at OW Cavalry underscore on Instagram, OW at OW Cavalry with no underscore on uh, Twitter or X, if you will. Um, but let's take a look at the Omnic Post. They are at Omnic Post on both Instagram and Twitter. So we're going back a little bit here. Of course, the thing that I mentioned at the top of the show was that this week's uh, episode is, you know, there's, there's a ton of content that's just dropped with Overwatch 2, but obviously there's not really a ton of news right everything that's coming out is just oh hey you know kind of like did you know this is in the game or did you know that this is now available with this this new season and everything so i'll touch on a few things here uh one we have of course the king's row underworld event so aside from the overwatch 2 story missions this season the king's row underworld event mission also makes a debut this limited time event will last until september 4th and will update weekly with different heroes and other parameters so this one's kind of cool. I actually, I didn't know that this one was happening um, sort of outside of the uh, the actual invasion event, right? So, you know, if you have booted into the game now, you obviously know that the game has changed sort of its UI quite a bit. And I actually, I really kind of like this redesign. It does feel like a much more drastic redesign than uh, the the sort of previous facelift that we got when we went from Overwatch 1 to Overwatch 2, right? I would describe that that launch as sort of a facelift to the UI, right? Minor tweaks, minor adjustments, a little cleaner look. This one changes things more drastically, so it does feel new, it does feel fresh, um, and I'm actually a big fan of that. I, I like that, you know, I, I've talked, uh, I, I don't think I've talked on this show, but one of the things that I always enjoy about getting a new uh, mobile phone is that sort of fresh feel of your home screen and everything like that although i love to transfer my data because that's super easy now i don't like to just reinstall all the apps i don't want my phone to be exactly what it was prior i want it to have the information so if i go and you know want to log into something want to pull up a picture it's there but I like that sort of fresh start feel. And I think this feels a little bit like that. Um, obviously, when you get into some of the menus, it quickly becomes the same. It's just a, it is uh, just a, a sort of plate over top of what we had before. But I like that it feels new. In any case, you go to the PvE missions here. Of course, you get a fun little intro video the first time you go there. But then you do see that there is a way to access, of course, the story missions that are paid for, the invasion event. But then there's also this King's Row Underworld event that is sort of a bonus that I honestly, again, I had no idea was coming and apparently is available to everyone. So definitely go in there and check it out. And it's also really interesting that they're, again, playing with the systems they've used previously. So, of course, in the past... We've seen this, um, the limited time events, and we've seen, you know, okay, it's available for whatever it is, two weeks, a month, whatever. You go in, you do the challenges, you get the rewards. 
in this case, of course, as the Omnic Post uh, just pointed out there, they're actually unlocking different events week to week. So it's kind of changing. It's kind of evolving the event where it's, you know, even if the mission structure stays the same, hey, you now have different sort of sub-objectives if you want to complete these challenges. You don't have to, but if you want to complete these challenges, get a few extra unlocks, get a few little extra XP and things like that, then certainly you can. So I really dig that, um, that kind of extra layer that's there. Now... Um, oh, I just, sorry, I just remembered the, uh, the third story mission in the invasion event is, of course, uh, uh, Gothenburg, the uh, Swedish map. So in any case, sidetrack. Um, the other thing that Season 6 brings here, of course, shared from the Omnic post, is Overwatch 2 Invasion added a new core game mode to the game, Flashpoint. This mode is played on two new maps, New Junk City and the gorgeous Suravasa, and it looks promising. Flashpoint will not yet be available in competitive play that's not quite the wording they used i edited myself a little bit there um so of course that is another feature of the invasion event we have new a new game mode in flashpoint um i have played around in this and by all means we absolutely dominated which was always fun maybe that's a rigged system maybe they make it so that everyone's first match you win so you'll like the game mode a little bit more um the maps are sprawling and massive so that was also one thing that i did is i jumped into the uh custom game mode just with the two uh the two new maps and i just sort of did some cruising around exploring the map and flying around as a farah just to get a bit of a bird's eye view um so i could really get a feel for the size and the scale of these maps and boy oh boy they are certainly incredibly large and widespread. Um, I know there's actually been some criticism of that, uh, you know, in the fact of are they just too big, um, but I actually really like it. It, it. it feels fresh, it feels new, and in a lot of ways, it actually feels a little bit lonesome, I find. Like, it doesn't feel like after we cap a point and the point moves, we all moved sort of as a team. It kind of felt like, and maybe this is because it's such early days, everyone just scatters out and we kind of were all looking to find our own way to the next point. Maybe get a, you know, get a pick. Maybe have a 1v1. Maybe just get completely ganked by the entire other team as you take the wrong path uh, to the next objective. But very cool stuff. Um, and again, you know, I want to give the developers credit here because obviously there's there's a fair amount of negativity around the game right now. These maps are very incredible, and I can't imagine how much work must go into creating something of that size. We've, of course, seen, you know, large maps. I think Antarctica comes to mind. It does feel like a quite a large map. Um, and if you look at some other maps that have more of a path to them, you know, something like a Gibraltar uh, or a uh, King's Row even, um, you know, they are maybe maybe longer in essence um, because it is more of just a winding path but of course there isn't the sprawl that these maps have these maps really feel open and wide um, which is which is cool and is interesting i'm very curious to see how flashpoint is received because again i've only played a limited time with it so i'm not even too sure how i feel about it yet and what i really want to see of course big fan of the overwatch league i really want to see what the pros do with this game mode right i want to see how it plays is there too much downtime is there too much moving from objective to objective is sombra a dominant force in it because she can scope things out she can you know uh, lie dormant if you will uh wait for her moment to attack and catch someone you know kind of out of line or something like that so anyways very interesting stuff and i overall i'm excited to see a new game mode we, of course, then got the new hero, Ilari, in uh, Season 6 as well. Um, 
she is a Peruvian hero, I believe. Um, and of course, she is a uh, support character as well, using a solar rifle, which has a healing beam and a secondary ability. Uh, and of course, her ultimate ability is called Captive Sun, where she basically blasts you with a ball of sunlight that uh, takes a second. I believe it. I believe it pushes everyone back when it hits, and then it causes damage over time and after a few seconds it actually explodes perhaps it doesn't do push back on on impact it just uh pushes back on the explosion there but in any case it's really kind of cool the way it works um you, you are seeing i think a lot of people saying that this hero is is overtuned or overpowered i haven't really experienced that too much i don't think she's that bad or or that harshly overtuned it doesn't feel oppressive Although it does feel favorable to have her, I would say. And a big part of that is the ultimate, which I think right now most people aren't looking at how to counter, right? They're just, you know, taking it in as it comes. Um, whereas certainly there there are ways that, you know, you can mitigate her, uh, her ult um, or counter her entirely. Of course, her ult does see her launch into the sky and, and kind of take off. Um, of course, and, you know, natural counter to that is, of course... Uh, the honest sleep dart right you can just kind of put her down before she gets her shot off um, but there are of course other options you know it does in a lot of ways make her a pretty decent target when she launches into the sky like that um, and if you have a particularly skilled sharpshooter on your team then hey they might just get an easy pick on someone like that so another new feature to the uh, season six invasion uh, event or bundle of course is the player and or hero and level progression so again reading from the omnic post here starting in this season players will be able to level heroes and gain sub badges and badges for each hero by playing them and completing hero specific challenges these badges also advance the overall progression level of your account so the interesting a couple interesting facts about this one is that they're starting everyone off at zero right um, I did find that a little bit interesting because, of course, many, many people have many, many hours, like thousands upon thousands of hours on a lot of these heroes. I think it's the right call, ultimately, to, you know, not necessarily just look at someone's playtime and even give them one badge for that. Um, I think just starting everyone at zero, saying this is a new system, we want to play with this, we want to see how it turns out, um, I think is the right call. Now, the other thing uh, is I'm not really too sure what the point is honestly um <laughs> it's neat to have it's neat to see um and it's neat to be like cool i played a fair amount of lucio and now i'm getting some little badges that you know level up towards my leveling up of lucio um but i don't i guess i just don't feel like the actual it's like they've got the stick but there's no carrot on the end of it right if if the carrot is the badge to me, that's that's not. I guess that's not a carrot, right? I have no, I have no inclination to. Oh, I really want to get my my Lucio, whatever the specific badge is, up to gold or whatever it is, right? Diamond. I don't know. It would be. It would make a lot more sense to me to say if I get this badge to whatever it is, level five, diamond, platinum level, whatever, then I get an exclusive skin that you know I can wear because of that, right? That would make more sense to me. That is a carrot on the end of the stick. What's not a carrot on the end of the stick is an icon that nobody's going to see because God knows nobody's checking my my Overwatch profile. Like I barely even look at my Overwatch profile. So 
anyways, that's that's kind of my feelings towards that. I like the progression. I like the idea behind it. Um, it is it is neat, uh, and I would like to see it expanded on. But again, I would like to see the rewards be there behind it. So, of course, also new to the uh, newest season. If you haven't been in it in a while, the practice range has actually gotten a bit of a makeover and a bit of an overhaul, which is kind of cool. Um, this is, of course, one of the areas in the game that, um, I mean, has been there pretty well since the start, and I don't think has seen much uh, much change at all. Uh, but they've uh, they've introduced some new robots into it, which is pretty cool. There's a, there's a, a tank bot now, which has a nice little shield. Um, there's uh, ultimate packs scattered throughout the arena where you can just grab them and it immediately fills your ult uh, charge. And of course, there's actually an entirely new area. Um, if you kind of leave the spawn through the exit to your right, the little smaller corridor rather than the large opening, and then you hang a right down to the area where you have, of course, a number of the uh, enemy Omnic uh, training bots walking back and forth in kind of straight lines, and you hang a right there as well, you'll see a new door is open there, and that, of course, takes you to the firing range, which is, you know, a pretty basic firing range, but sure could be used as something of an aim trainer if you wanted to. But the nice thing is it allows you to tweak all sorts of settings, so you can set it up to be uh, the training bots, you can set it up to be targets, you can set them to move, you can set them to do all sorts of things. Um, and also there is, of course, a challenge that you can get just for going in and completing these and doing all these different things. So definitely it's a an interesting one that, you know, has minimal impact, but kind of cool there to see it nonetheless. Um, other than that, I think that's probably, that's probably the biggest stuff that I'm seeing on the Omnic Post right now. Of course, that is at Omnic Post on Instagram. Um kind of just breaking down some of the new features uh coming in this season of course um there's there's other things you know they do highlight the mythic skin and the fact that the progression has once again been tweaked um i guess i i can touch on this uh so the the actual unlocks for the mythic skin are of course now at tier 41 tier 61 and then tier 80 for the final unlock uh it was previously at 45 65 and 80 I think the reason for the tweak or a reason is because of the um, the new hero being locked at uh, 45. Ultimately, I don't know why they didn't just stack everything on 45 and then say also 65 and also 80 again. But hey, I mean, this means that everyone gets that on a mythic skin uh, at a base level uh, a little bit sooner. So why not? So um, and then, of course, a couple other things, you know, uh, more talk about the new hero. Uh I don't know, some, some comments being made about old 2CP maps and things like that. But again, there's always those comments being made. So so anyways, that was, a, that was a little bit of our social media roundup there. I just wanted to talk about some of those things, highlight some of the, some of the new changes and upcoming or, or you know, out now features as they have dropped with Season 6. Moving on from there, we are going to head on over to Dexerto.com. With an article, of course, about our latest patch notes. So this one is from Michael Gwilliam, posted on August 10th. And this reads, Overwatch 2, August 10th patch notes, New Hero Alari, Mercy, Nerfs, Bastion, and Lucio buffs more. 
The August 10th Overwatch, Inva Overwatch 2 sorry, Invasion update certainly lives up to its name, with the introduction of three canon PvE missions announcing, uh, advancing sorry, the Overwatch story forward. The missions can be purchased from inside the game client. Season 6 also introduces our second straight support hero in the form of Ilari. The devs have intended for her to be more impactful than Lifeweaver when he launched a couple of seasons ago. Additionally, a new core game mode in Flashpoint has been added. The mode is similar to Control slash King of the Hill, but with Pardon me, five objectives that teams will fight over. Sarvasa and New Junk City launch with Flashpoint and are two of the biggest Overwatch maps to date. There are also some major advancements to the firing range, player progression, and more, and that's not even counting the balancing changes affecting many of on the hero roster. Overwatch 2 makes major hero updates in Season 6 Invasion. Now what I'm actually hoping here for, I'm going to jump over a little bit of the article here and just get to the patch notes, of course. So we have introducing Ilari, and then they break down the new character. They have the new uh, game mode breakdown there. They have the new story mode breakdown there. But what I really want to get to here is, of course, the hero updates. So here we go. Let's get in there. It's quite There's quite a bit of changes here, so I don't know if I'll go completely into all of these, um, but I will read break them down quite a bit so hero updates armor health damage reduction is now additive with other sources of damage reduction and has a maximum cap of 50 percent developer comments armor damage reduction was multiplicative wow with damage reduction from abilities creating situations where certain heroes were much more difficult to damage than intended since they were bypassing the damage reduction cap this change will smooth out some of the extreme spikes in survivability I have to assume, this is me speaking, I have to assume a big part of that is uh, the relative survivability of tank heroes. I've really found in recent times that tanks just seem to have this strange ability to survive through a ton of stuff. Um, so I have to assume that will have an effect on that. Tank. Diva. Boosters. Cooldown reduced from 4 to 3.5 seconds. Eject mech. Pilot is now damage immune for 0.4 seconds while ejecting. This is not a huge change to D.Va. A little bit of a buff, of course, that uh, cooldown reduced on your boosters. You'll scoot around quite a bit more. And then, of course, a tiny bit of invulnerability uh, when you're actually ejecting from your mech is always going to protect that baby D.Va just a little bit. So I don't think this will have too much of an impact. But at my ranks, of course, where I do play D.Va when I'm getting tank, and of course with Alari being the new support hero, I am getting tank uh, quite a bit more than I was previously. Um... In any case, I'm uh, I'm quite happy with D.Va right now, but I don't think this is going to make a huge impact overall. Doomfist. Seismic Slam. Cooldown reduced from 7 to 6 seconds. Power Block. Now reduces damage from stuck projectiles. So, obviously, I'm not going to read the developer comments there. A little bit of a buff to Doomfist. Cooldown reduction is always a buff. Um, but then, uh, of course, now reduces damage from stuck projectiles. That is helpful to Doomfist, increases his survivability, especially against someone like an Echo um, or a Cassidy even, of course. Orisa, Fusion Driver, damage falloff range increased from 15 to 20 meters. Fortify, Fortify health bonus increased from 75 to 125. Developer comments, Fortify is sometimes weaker now due to the change to how armor damage reduction and ability damage reduction interact. Activating Fortify while Orisa has armor health remaining will hit the damage reduction cap and result in lower effective health than before, so we're increasing the amount of overall health it grants. In addition, we're also increasing the fusion driver's effective range so Orisa can deal a little more damage before engaging at close quarters. Um, this one does strike me as things will 
we'll see a little bit more Orisa play. Um, she'll become a little bit more deadly. Obviously, she gets a little bit more range, but then also the uh, balancing act there of the, um, uh, what did they call it, damage reduction and ability damage reduction interaction between the two kind of thing. Ramatra, Nemesis, block. Block now reduces damage from stuck projectiles. So again, bring him in line with that Doomfist change we talked about. Annihilation, ultimate cost increased 12%. Block now reduces damage from stuck projectiles. So again, uh, obviously bring that change into his ultimate as well, but then increasing his ultimate a little bit. So uh, he's going to be have to build it up a little bit more. Sigma, general. Base movement ground deceleration increased to match standard hero movements. And here's the developer comments. Sigma has always had somewhat floatier movement controls than most heroes in order to match his character movement animations. However, this led players to feel like his tank roll passive ability wasn't reducing the amount he would be knocked back since it took him longer to stop than other tanks. We've now adjusted this to the standard hero movement values to make the gameplay interactions feel more consistent. So bringing him in line with other tanks, um, although I personally uh, wouldn't say I've noticed this too much, of course... Uh, it is interesting that you know they're they're kind of looking at the um, not even the mo mobility, but how I guess how movement affects Sigma in this sense. Like I say, almost just more of an interesting change than anything. Moving on, we go to Winston Tesla Cannon. Secondary fire charge time reduced from one point two to one second. Secondary fire recovery time increased from zero point five to 0.75 seconds. So these are pretty minimal changes here, um, but ultimately brings Winston up a tiny bit, I would say. Um, you know, the recovery time kind of balances out the uh, reduced charge time, so it's kind of hard to say what impact this will really see, especially at most of the levels we're playing at, or I'm playing at, so. Moving on from there, we make our way to the damage roll where Bastion has his A36 tactical grenade changes coming. Maximum explosion damage falloff reduced from 70% to 50%. Detonation time reduced from 0.5 to 0.35 seconds. Recoil adjusted to recover more quickly. Projectile size increased from 0.2 to 0.25. Impact damage increased from 15 to 30 so that's a buff to his little grenade, which I would argue we don't see too much uh, action from. However, I think we do see a relatively decent amount of Bastion play, so interesting change there. Configuration Recon. Reload time reduced from 1.5 to 1.2 seconds, obviously a buff. Configuration Assault. Transforming into Configuration Assault now repairs 50 armor health. So interesting, that's actually a, quite an interesting uh, ability there now. Of course, you actually can use that as a bit of a buff when changing into that as your sort of e-break to uh, boost your health there. So interesting stuff there. Configuration artillery, targeting state movement speed increased from 20 to 25 meters per second. This feels like, you know, they're trying to bring Bastion up a little bit because uh, obviously his ult is, I usually find pretty useless, uh, but increasing the speed on it kind of brings it up a little bit. Cassidy, general base health increased from 200 to 225. Peacekeeper damage falloff range rescaled from 25 to 45 meters to 25 to 35 meters. Magnetic grenade projectile now has a maximum travel time of 1.5 seconds and slow amount reduced from 30 to 25 percent. Of course, we've seen a lot of uh, tweaks to Cassidy lately, especially that magnetic grenade. And this is no uh, no big shock here that they're changing it again. Um, it is a. It was previously quite an overpowered ability. They nerfed it a bit. It got a little bit better, but it's still, you know, a little bit overpowered. 
Um, so a bit of an interesting one, but uh, ultimately I like that they're changing the maximum travel time. I think that's an interesting way to approach it. Um, and I'm hopeful that that will, uh, you know, kind of see some, some good changes behind it. Hanzo, storm bow, arrow draw progress is no longer preserved while wall climbing. I don't have much to say about that. Another, another interesting tweak, right? These are things that I would never have personally thought of. So interesting to hear that. Sombra EMP, ultimate cost increased 15%. No longer destroys Life Weaver's Tree of Life. Very interesting. I actually didn't know that it did that. Um, that is a pretty big change to EMP. Obviously, that would have been a huge, uh, huge counter to Life Weaver's Tree of Life. So interesting stuff there. Soldier 76, Helix Rocket. Explosion damage reduced from 90 to 80. Tactical Visor, ultimate cost increased 10%. Um, and then the developer comments here, Soldier 76 became much more deadly after his last round of changes, so we're reverting the Helix Rocket explosion damage to lower his burst damage. We're also increasing his Tactical Visor ultimate cost to help account for his overall increased damage output. Interesting tweak, but probably probably necessary. I do feel like the Tac Visor has uh, become a staple in a lot of ways. Torbjorn, weapon swap time reduced from 0.5 to 0.4 seconds. Rivet gun, primary fire recovery time reduced from 0.55 to 0.48 seconds. And forge hammer, swing recovery time reduced from 0.75 to 0.6 seconds. So a little bit of interesting tweaks to Torbjorn there. Very subtle, very small. Um, the forge hammer one is the one that gets me. His swing will just be so fast now. But uh, anyways, interesting stuff there. Support on a biotic rifle. Damage and healing per projectile reduced from 75 to 70. Unscoped projectile size increased from 0 to 0 0.1. Very small tweaks here. And the developer comments, Anna's damage breakpoint change has proven too effective overall given her long range, so we're reverting it back to its previous value. We're also increasing the size of unscoped projectiles when firing at enemies. Her projectiles have always had a larger size for allies, which should help them land more consistently against close-ranged threats. So buffing her survivability while nerfing her, uh, her actual um, healing output and damage output, but overall not too significant so brigitte barrier shield health reduced from 300 to 250 ultimate cost increased 600 percent. so definitely a, a a nerf for brigitte um, which is kind of a shame because i'm a big fan of brigitte i enjoy playing her a lot uh, the barrier shield uh, reduction is is going to be felt um and the ultimate cost increase maybe not as bad but will be felt a little bit Kiriko, Protection, Suzu, Knockback removed, Healing reduced from 50 to 40, now heals for an additional 30, when cleansing a negative effect. Kunai, Damage increased from 40 to 45, Recovery time reduced from 0.55 to 0.5 seconds, Critical Damage Multiplier reduced from 3 to 2.5 times. A um, little bit of an interesting one here, I like the changes to Protection, Suzu, um, it's actually kind of an interesting tweak that they're making there. The kunai changes are also interesting, though. Uh, they, they bring things in line a little bit more with, I think, Zen's uh, Orb of Discord in terms of the damage reduction, which is sort of the big uh, surprising one. Um, I do like that feature of, of Kiriko. I think it's really kind of interesting and mostly comes into effect or, or comes into play with, with the pros, obviously, because they're you know good at clicking heads. Um, but ultimately, uh, an interesting one nonetheless. Life Weaver, base health reduced from 200 to 175. Base shield health increased from 0 to 50. Thorn Valley, I think that's supposed to be volley, but anyways. Reduced spread for one of the two Thorn Volley projectiles fired per shot by 25%. 
Healing increased from 20 to 50 on his rejuvenating dash. Life grip mobility lockout duration increased from 0.45 to 0.75 seconds. And Tree of Life, 50% of Tree of Life's overhealing is now converted into overhealth up to a maximum of 100%. So they've talked about this, um, about the fact that uh, Life Weaver was quite underpowered. Um, and they're kind of trying to slowly bring him in line, which is good, better than the alternative where they just buff him to high hell and he's way too good. So Lucio, crossfade. Self-healing penalty is now reduced from 60% to 0% for the duration of Amp It Up. The developer comment here, in order to help bring Lucio's survivability more in line with the rest of the support heroes, crossfade healing, self-healing during Amp It Up is now more effective survival option for Lucio. Mercy, Caduceus Staff, secondary fire damage boost reduced from 30 to 25%. And this is, you know what, this is actually the one that I was talking about. Brings it in line with uh, Zen's Discord. So I like the even playing field, playing field it feels like they're trying to create when it comes to support heroes here. Moving on from there, we have co-op mode hero updates. With the introduction of Overwatch 2 Invasion Story Missions, we'll have specific hero balance changes for multiple heroes to ensure players will have continuous challenge when playing in co-op modes like story missions and event missions heroes no longer passively gain ultimate charge over time and ultimate costs increased in co-op game modes so i'm not actually going to go through these it's just the changes that sort of they're saying these changes will only affect pve which is really interesting um, and does kind of further sort of splinter the game into the two halves but ultimately i think that's something that's necessary right because what they're hoping for here is that they've had they've had a PVE crowd for a while now, and they obviously know that PVE crowd is never going to be happy with a lot of stuff, but can they expand out into a PVE crowd, right? And I would wager yes. There will be people that play this game, you know, pretty well exclusively for that co-op mode. They don't like the competitive nature of the PvP mode. Um, I do think they kind of missed the mark on that, uh, and they you know would have had a better time with it years ago if they had gotten Overwatch 2 off the ground properly. But in any case, that's obviously a different topic for another time. So anyways, lots of changes that they're talking about there uh, that apply to those characters in the PvE mode specifically. We do have some map changes, uh, nothing that I'm going to mention too much. The lighting has changed for Season 6, of course, so I'll break down some of that. Uh, in push mode, we now have New Queen Street showing Dawn. We have Colosseo in the morning and Esperanza in the morning. Uh, hybrid Blizzard World is in the night, which is new. Actually, I'll just highlight the new ones here. Parisio is now in the evening, which is also new. On the escort side, it doesn't look like we have any new ones here, although, uh, you know, a couple of highlights. Shambali Monastery at the nighttime, which is a nice one that I like. Um, Control doesn't look like we have any new ones there either. Ilios is back to evening, which I believe is also known as the orange filter. No, sorry, orange filter is uh, is what dawn? Is that right? Yeah, it must be. Um, Antarctic Peninsula at night. That'll be cool. Flashpoint, of course. They then are both maps are in the morning mode. Then we have a whole host of general fixes, map fixes, uh, and hero fixes that I'm not going to go into because again, this was a quite quite a lengthy and extensive update where they tweaked and changed a lot. So I'll end it there. But in any case, if you're interested in all of those many, many details, just Google Overwatch 2 uh, Season 6 patch notes, and you will certainly find them. So let's continue on here with our only other news article of the week. That's right, we're 40, 
two minutes in. I'm, I'm actually shocked I've gone this long. I really thought this was going to be quite a short episode. This is seeming like it's going to be at least a normal episode. But um, we only have two news stories here. So, of course, we had the patch notes. And now we come to our second story that I'm going to go over. And I chose this story specifically because it gives a lot of context behind the headline. The headline obviously grabs your attention and uh, makes you angry a little bit, but they break down the actual details behind it quite well, so I'm going to dive in here. Um, This is from IGN.com, written by Wesley Yinpool, posted on August 14th, and updated on August 14th as well. The article reads, Overwatch 2 becomes the worst user-reviewed game on Steam ever, even as tens of thousands turn up to play. Overwatch 2 has the ignominious honor wow ignominious honor of becoming the worst user-reviewed game on steam ever although its recent launch on the platform has seen tens of thousands of players according to steam 250 which tracks the 100 worst steam games of all time according to user reviews overwatch 2 has a score of just 0.96 based on an approval rating percentage uh sorry based on an approval rating percentage of positive steam user review votes of 10 percent from 92,028 votes that's enough for Overwatch 2 to top Steam 250's list, beating the previous number one card battle game War of the Three Kingdoms from Chinese developer Yuka. So, why is Overwatch 2, a game that launched first on PC and console late 2020, suffering so badly in terms of user reviews on Steam just days after it launched on Valve's platform? Most of the negative reviews focus on one thing, monetization. Blizzard was heavily criticized when Overwatch 2 launched last year, as it forced its premium predecessor to update into a free-to-play sequel, rendering the original Overwatch unplayable. Since then, Overwatch 2 has endured a number of controversies, including the cancellation of its long-awaited PvE hero mode, the one feature player said that justified the sequel's existence. One review from Steam user, Steam user Orange, that's orange without an A, sums up the sentiment, quote, Overwatch 2 has no respect for you. It's an attempt to pry open your wallet while masquerading as the game it used to be, end quote. According to Daniel Ahmad, Director of Research and Insights at Nico Partners, Overwatch 2 is also suffering heavy criticism from Chinese users. In a tweet, Ahmad pointed out nearly two-thirds of Overwatch 2's Steam user reviews are written in simplified Chinese, with 97% being negative. While Chinese Overwatch fans share the same criticisms as those from the rest of the world, they are also upset at the end of Blizzard's agreement with NetEase for the distribution of Blizzard games in China. This led to widespread shutdown of Blizzard games in January, which in turn caused players in China to lose access to their accounts and the ability to play on a national server. Quote, The launch on Steam is the first time that gamers can vent on an open and international platform, with many taking the opportunity to do so, end quote, Ahmad explained. While players in China can use a VPN to access Overwatch 2 once again, now it's on the international version of Steam, players report players report slow logins and poor connections. According to a mod, Overwatch fans in China are also upset they've left positive reviews for World... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, according to a mod, Overwatch fans in China are so upset they've left positive review- reviews for War of the Three Kingdoms in a bid to keep Overwatch 2 ahead of it in the race to the bottom. Quote, in the end, it's clear that Overwatch was and still is a popular IP in China, Ahmad said, but the string of events starting from the shutdown at the beginning of the year has led to pent-up frustration being let out all at once, end quote. All of this negative negativity comes out as tens of thousands of players are playing Overwatch 2 on Steam. Last week's launch, which came alongside the Crucial Invasion update, was seen as a surefire way to expand Overwatch 2's player base from its console and Battle.net base. 
Indeed, Blizzard said how it now considers Overwatch 2 to have moved on from its early access phase. Overwatch 2 broke into the top five bestsellers on Steam by revenue, according to SteamDB. Overwatch 2 hit a peak concurrent player count of 75,608 over the weekend. At the time of writing this publication, Overwatch 2 was the 17th most played game on Steam, with a 36,979 concurrent players, ahead of the likes of Civ 6, Terraria, and Rainbow Six Siege. While Blizzard will have hoped to avoid Overwatch 2's, quote, overwhelmingly negative, end quote, user review rating on Steam, its metrics for success will include things like, quote, engagement and player investment. Healthy spending in the free-to-play game will, for Activision Blizzard, prove the ultimate barometer of success. Blizzard recently told reporters it's calm on declining player engagement with Overwatch 2. Sorry, Blizzard recently told reporters it's calm on dis- declining. Oh, it's calm on declining player engagement with Overwatch 2, putting it down to the natural ebb and flow of it being a free-to-play game. But clearly, there's a lot riding on the Invasion update. Although Blizzard has downplayed its importance, all eyes will be on Activision Blizzard's next financial report, where it's expected to make some comment on the success or otherwise of Overwatch 2. If you're considering jumping in, here's everything you need to know about Overwatch 2 Invasion. So that was a, that was a good, what five minute read just to get through that article. A lot of important stuff in there, and again, as I as I pointed out the, at the top of the article, the reason I wanted to read this one is because it provides all of that context behind what we're seeing with the extremely negative reviews. Right, I've seen a number of articles uh, around the web where they talk about the negativity and uh, some of that, but they don't necessarily talk about the context behind it. The uh, I think it's important to point out the nature of that, uh, the the two-thirds being in simplified Chinese, and that we're seeing a large user base of fans that feel burned, and that honestly are burned by something that happened with the company uh, in terms of this game, you know, months ago at this point. So, in any case, uh, it's not all bad news. Obviously, the game is uh, is out there on Steam and seeing a decent number of concurrence, seventeenth um, most, you know, at the time of writing doesn't super shock me that i think that stuff ebbs and flows as well with uh, time of day and you know day of the week and things like that um but ultimately we'll see we'll see how invasion is received and with all of that said that actually does bring us to the end of the show so without any further comment let us head on over and we'll close this thing out this is it Push forward! All right, so I am here on a sleepy August 15th, the same day that you will be receiving this episode, of course, because it is past midnight now. But I have been your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on those platforms and you can interact with me because this is One Man Watchpoint's 121st episode. One Man Watchpoint is an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now this week, of course, we didn't have any Overwatch League action to cover. There was some drama with a former player in the league that I'm not even going to get into because it's just silly. Um, But of course, the Overwatch League is in a bit of a... uh, weird mid-mid-season break. Um, <laughs> that's that's very strange to say. It's not the mid-season break because we already had that, but it is a it is a break in the m- later half of the second half of the season. So there are no games this week. There are no games next week. Um, but on next week's episode of One Man Watchpoint, we'll be t- we will talk about the upcoming games uh, at that point because we will have games coming that weekend. So... 
Right now, no action in the Overwatch League, but normally One Man Watchpoint is a Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Of course, as it relates to Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch League, and just Blizzard in general. So you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. I'm like, I feel like I'm slurring my words here. Mostly I'm just very tired and want to get to bed. So if you enjoyed what you heard here, check us out on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast where I sit down with my hosts, Chris and Alex, every week to talk about the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, and of course, the Overwatch League as a whole. Once again, thank you so much for listening to One Man Watchpoint. This has been episode 121, and we'll catch you next week. Oh, you shouldn't have.